Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. If you own a vehicle with less than 200,000 miles and have an auto warranty about to expire or no warranty coverage at all, listen up. CarShield has a low-cost month-to-month vehicle protection plan that covers more parts than ever. Visit carshield.com/audio to find out how you could pay almost nothing for covered auto repairs. Drivers who activate this vehicle protection today will also receive free roadside assistance, free towing, and car rental options at no additional cost. Get your free quote today at carshield.com/audio. That's carshield.com/audio. If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com slash boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC. Member SIPC. Every month, visit any multi-TV dealer or Electroland outlet to purchase an HD Plus decoder and stay in control of your TV viewing. HD Plus, enjoy them, feely feeling. So for all the great things happening in the country, we want to focus on the negative and get the world to know that there are negative things in Ghana. Can you look straight in the eye of these children and tell me they are coming from schools of shame? They are coming from schools of fame. So that's it. And if you're joining us live on Joy 99.7 FM, this is Ghana Connect. My name is Blessed Ghana. Tonight, uh, we're just uh, going back to that controversial statement, uh, talking about Ghana schools of shame. This week, the education minister said controversy when he ins- insisted uh, that we should deem the lights on the thousands of schools uh, across the country uh, where children sit on the floor and under threes to study and rather focus on the privileged schools, mostly in urban areas with all of the resources. Well, here's a tale of the schools of shame versus the minister's preferred schools of faith. speaks for about 7,000 children without desk in the Pandai district. What is disturbing our space? We don't have furniture. Sometimes when we are coming to school, we feel bored. We don't even feel to come to school because we don't have furniture. If we dress and come to school, you come and sit on floor, your chairs will be dirty. So we are begging the government to give us chairs. Recently I saw some TV programming. They were talking about Ghana's school of shame. And I was ashamed. Because of all the great things happening in the country, we want to focus on the negative and get the world to know that there are negative things in Ghana. Can you look straight in the eye of these children and tell me they are coming from schools of shame? They are coming from schools of fame.
that. So that's just a picture of um, what we are comparing. Uh, of course, uh, our uh, discovery of uh, some schools that are in a very weak form. Uh, of course, the schools don't have structures at all to, or even qualify to be described uh, as schools. Uh, but the minister prefers that we focus on the on, on the positives and not necessarily uh, the negatives. Those comments particularly were controversial coming in a week when AIDS children uh, were drowned in pursuit of education in a severely underprivileged part of the country. Uh, so tonight we're asking that question. Is there any justification to focus on Ghana's education success stories while limiting the media exposure for those tragically uh, under-resourced schools in obscure parts of the country. Uh, and for those of you who might not have followed uh, their series on Ghana's schools of shame, uh, perhaps we might just give you a sense of what we discovered uh, when we toured some uh, parts of the country, specifically up north, uh, and what we discovered. We are not sparing any efforts to make education in Ghana of the best quality and fit for the needs of the 21st century. Poverty should not be an excuse for any Ghanaian child not to reach their full potential. Bashiru Nuridin speaks for about 7,000 children without desk in the Pandai district. Art is disturbing our space. We don't have furnitures. Sometimes when we are coming to school, we feel bored. We don't even fail to come to school because we don't have furnitures. If you dress and come to school, you come and sit on the floor, your chairs will be dirty. So we are begging the government to give us chairs. Every morning, these children carry stools and plastic chairs on their heads and head to school. Many of these children have walked several kilometers just to access school. Their school, Balai Dia Primary School in the Pandai district of the northern region, has no furniture. So their parents bought plastic chairs for them. Today is very important to these pupils. They have to write the end of their third term examinations. This examination is critical for them as it will determine whether they will be promoted to the next class or not. To avoid being late, some ride their bicycles hurriedly to school. Those who are fortunate settle in their chairs, but the majority of them go down on their knees, not as a form of worship, but to write exams. Those with plastic chairs put their exam papers on their lap and write while others kneel and put their exams papers on their chairs. With time, tiredness sets in and many who are sitting on the bare floor start to kneel. As time progresses, some change their positions and then lie on their bellies and begin to write. The Hamatan strong winds blow dust into the classrooms and settles on the children on the floor. Three pupils sit on a bench. They face different directions while they continue writing the examinations. It is therefore impossible for these pupils to do independent work without copying or engaging in examination or practice. Exams papers become dirty. School uniforms also become dirty. Nirudin is not happy that they bathe and wear clean uniforms only for them to sit on the dirty bare floor. When we come and sit on the floor, our things will be dirty. The next day, when you go, we would like to wash your things, but your parents will not agree for you to wash the things because the soap, the soap is now, uh, all things are now critical. You don't have money to buy soap. Every day when you come to school, you go and you want to wash your things. Your parents will not agree. Nudin's concern is corroborated by another student. My name is Injoti Alice. I am in class 6. I'm, I want to be a lady. I want to be a nurse. When we are writing examination like this, we kneel on floor and write exams. After finish writing, your paper will get dirty. If you went home and you want to take soap, your parents doesn't allow you to take it. They will say every time you wash your uniform and we say now soap are not expensive. To avoid being dirty, one pupil brought a cloth from the house and slept on it. The children admitted that lying on the bare floor makes them lazy and sometimes sleepy. 
When master is teaching, when we are sitting on the floor, we feel sleeping. We don't feel excited at all. Balai is not the only school in the Pandai district without furniture. The district education officer of the Pandai district, Yao Safo, paints a gloomy picture of the furniture situation. For most of the primary schools, they have just a, a three-unit classrooms. So you find that uh, most of the pupils have classes either under trees or, any, or in uh, sheds that are constructed by the the communities in which the schools are located. Uh, the district assembly over the years has always provided furniture for our schools and even just this week uh, they have given us uh, 250 dual desks to be distributed to the various schools. Well, uh, so excepts there of uh, that series that we're running, Ghana Schools of Shame, uh, put together by uh, joining his feature editor, Jojo Corbina. Uh, uh, but of course, um, let, let's uh, have a conversation on this. Uh, should we be deeming that light on, on some of these uh, media exposure uh, for tragically under-resourced schools in, in the obscure parts of the country? Uh, and uh, helping us out with that conversation is Rosa Blankson. She's an educationist, uh, of course, was about 30 years ago, was in the training college, uh, went on her first posting and had a first-hand experience of this uh, furniture experience or situation that uh, in our schools, very deprived ones, of course. Hello, Rose. W welcome to Ghana Connect. Uh, well, Rose is not the only one joining us. Um, we also do have uh, Michael um, Nanjena. He's uh, a parent as well, SMC chairperson of St. Joseph Primary School, uh, somewhere up north in Talency. Uh, he's also concerned about the situation. Uh, and we we do have, um, of course, some concerns also from Michael, who's a parent and will be sharing his concerns with us. Hi, Michael. Hi, uh, Mm. Uh, well, blessed year. Uh, so we'll be going into the conversation. In fact, Mary Dusafo and some others will be joining us. Uh, Lillian Mental would also be joining us. Uh, she's one of the managing directors for a foundation that is working to eliminate all of these challenges that we have. But what stirred the controversy, uh, ladies and gentlemen, is the statement by the um, sector minister himself, Dr. Yaose Duchum. I just want you to listen to his perspective on this matter. Recently, I saw some TV programming. They were talking about Ghana's school of shame. And I was ashamed because of all the great things happening in the country, we want to focus on the negative and get the world to know that there are negative things in Ghana. Can you look straight in the eye of these children and tell me they are coming from schools of shame? They are coming from schools of fame. They're going to change the story of Ghana. This young man and woman has a fear, determination, and is palpable when you get close to them. They want to change the face of this country. What we couldn't do, they are going to do it. All that we need to do is to let them know that, yes, there are challenges in the country, but we should shine a spotlight on these great things that we are doing. And if we can take a cue, we should rather do a program that highlights these young men and women and tell the world that Ghana is moving. It's part of the challenges. Yes, there are challenges. But I tell you this, the children of Ghana are so well prepared to be the best in the world. And this comes from somebody who has taught in and studied the various education systems around the world. I taught in America for 12 years. I became developer of schools in Los Angeles for another 12 years. Well, so it explains who is speaking uh, someone who of course understands the education sector uh, and is not oblivious of the challenges that we face except that the uh, sector minister dr jose Duchum, uh, believes that we should be telling the positive story uh, ross blankson let, let's start off with you uh, you were in the classroom about uh, i mean for about 30 years now your first experience i'm interested in listening uh, to uh, that I story. Think, uh, how, how was it like? And uh, what do you have to say about the minister's position on this? Yeah, so good evening to our cherished listeners. Um, it's interesting, um, the minister speaking um, about America and comparing America to Ghana all the time. 
I was fortunate and blessed to have been posted from Our Lady of Apostles Training College, Ula in Cape Coast, um, in 1998 to go teach in a village called Obakrua. Obakrua at the time was in the Garural um, district of the, now I think it's the east or so. Um, Obakrua is between a town called Obo and Ashalaja. Um, it's, it's a remote village. And in 1998, when I was posted there, the classrooms were bare. Children had to carry items such as suspens, bowls for serving meals, bricks, I mean, sand crate bricks, and anything that they could sit on or write on. They sat on bare floors. And this place I'm talking about is in the greater Accra region. At the time, we had class one to class six. We didn't have JHS. And the children had to travel through Crocochere, uh, Ashie, uh, Amanfrum, through to Hobo for their JHS education. I was shocked to see the videos and to hear the stories that we still have such sorry situations in our basic education. The very foundation of our education. Children still sit in the sand, the dust. Children have to crumple for chairs and tables from churches to go and sit on in the classroom. And the minister says, we should not talk about that. Why not? Why should we talk about the positives and ignore the negatives? Why should the deprived communities suffer and, you know, we polish the story and make it seem like all is well? Why isn't the minister comparing what is going on in some villages? The struggles teachers go through. The fact that teachers have to contend with brutally ulcers because they have to drink from polluted river and lakes. Teachers don't even have places to ease themselves. So if you don't wake up around 3.30 a.m. to ease yourself and to take your bath, you cannot do it when it is past 5 a.m. I mean... <laughs> My brother, we need to tell the truth. It is a dire situation. It is dangerous. We are making the rich, the privileged, more privileged, the rich richer, and the poor impoverished. We are turning the poor to paupers because they do not have equal opportunity. The, the most painful part is that these young ones, with all the struggles, will go and compete with children from the privileged schools, schools with facilities, write the same assessment, go through the same assessment programs, and are expected to excel. I think it is not fair. The minister and the ministry for that matter should stop telling um, stakeholders to polish the situation, to garnish this sto uh, sorry story. And I can and I can imagine. I can imagine your frustration at this point because the point you're making is about what transpired. 30 years ago, and this is not happening this is 20, in, in a deprived part ago. of the country. Uh, this is 25 years yes, ago. So, that, 25. Yes. September 1998 mm. to, yes, till I left there two years later. Okay, so, so this is not even happening uh, up north or in a deprived community um, in any part of the country. This is happening. This was greater Accra. Right. Not far. In fact, it was less than, now it is less than an hour's drive from Kaswa, 
At the time, because of the terrible road, it was about one hour drive from Kaswa, very close to Ashalaja, very close to Hobo, very close to Obom in the eastern region. Well, also, Rosa set that tone for us. Uh, and and Rosa, I'll be getting back to you to, to just paint, for you to paint the picture to us of what you perceive about what's happening now and where the problem is. But but okay. Michael is a parent, of course, um, and one of the SMC chairperson of St. Joseph Primary School up north in Talency. So that's where the conversation started from when we started the series on Ghana School of Shame. Um, Michael, as a parent, are you confident that the facilities in which you're um, children are studying now is fit for purpose is something that that we should be proud about as a nation uh, uh, let me first of all say a good evening to our cherished listeners and viewers across the globe more especially those of uh, our viewers from the policy area and to also thank you for the hello michael um, Michael, if you're connecting with us, uh, we, we lost we lost the point you're making there. Uh, Michael, if you could just uh, make that point for us, Ken. The point, the point I was making as a parent and the chairman of the SMC, you know, the SMC in the Saint Joseph class of schools, uh, I cannot be pretending to say that I am happy with the condition uh, around which my, our people study in that school. Uh, yes, beyond the issue of. Uh, which I'll be coming very soon. And we are bedeviled with a lot of challenges. In fact, even the main uh, school block is quite terrible. It's a, it's a serial death track. And uh, as you know, a community, we have actually been you know, raising this point anytime we have the opportunity to meet the duty bearers. Beyond that, there are other myriad of programs, which I think that uh, I do not want to get there because it, it will take us away from the focus of this conversation. But as a parent, I don't think that uh, uh, it is acceptable that at this material time, we should be implementing uh, free you know, education at the secondary level. That, and then you have children at that foundational level lying on their bellies to receive you know, tuition from their teachers. As we speak, my KG up to the P1, they have nothing. They have not even a single furniture, you know, to sit on to receive tuition from their parents. I mean, their teachers. But if we move beyond to the other levels, even though we have, but these the furnitures are not anything that you know one can be proud of. Some of them are quite broken, very you know risky, and they are actually exposing the I mean the life or the safety of the children to a lot of danger. So yes, I think that look at this material time. You see, we need to actually invest so much well, you know, in ensuring that at least uh, the very beginning we get it right. It is on that basis that the student can actually excel when they get to the upper level and then the secondary school level. So, yes, while I yeah. will not be called the minister for really wanting us to talk about, I mean, to uh, speak on the uh, prospect or the gains we have made so far, but I think that it is not far-fetched for us as a people be able to highlight some of the challenges mm -hmm. we face at least in every facet of our educational life because uh any attempt you know to actually put those challenges under the carpet will mean that we are actually living in that state of self-denial and then while we get into that you know spectrum it becomes difficult for us to really bring our program to the fore and then even call for collaboration from others who can actually contribute in resolving those things okay so i think that look at this material even what is happening and if you get, I mean, if you if we are conversant with Talisi uh, uh, very well, my school is <laughs> virtually in the nucleus of the district capital, and yet you get there <laughs> finishing school, finishing the schools from primary and uh, KG up to the even pieces is a challenge. We have and how much more other you know, schools that are far away from Talisi? Yeah. There was even one um, far away from the district capital. There was even one school very close to around uh, Pungo uh, uh, Yazure. The, the entire school <laughs> had no finishing. Mm. It took a journalist to highlight these things for the duty better to actually okay. move into action and got that school I mean, provided with furniture. So I think that, look, uh, whatever the minister is saying, yes, even though, yes, it is a, a good call for us to talk about some of the gains we have made, but it is also right for us to actually talk about our feelings so that as a society, we will rise up to the occasion to ensure that while we are focused on the positive, we should not 
lose sight of the negative. That and if you look at some of these uh, negatives, their impact, their negative impact on the education delivery it, it, it cannot be underestimated. And we think that we should not lose sight of that. Yes, in my as a parent, in my school, I'm not quite with some of the elements, more especially. Uh, considering the fact that we are investing so much at least in education in the upper level and ignoring that of the basic level that is that um, okay. fundamental uh, so, so, so so that's the okay so so that's the position of michael and and just to paint that picture for you michael is just um a parent how about those who are involved those who are uh, actually executing those who are actually executing what's happening on the ground. And, and that's why I want to hear from Mary Edusafo, because she's a teacher in one of the deprived areas where furniture is not the only challenge. There's also the problem of this general uh, infrastructural deficit in some of these schools that we're talking about. It's, it's absolutely poor in some of these areas. But, but guess what? She's doing something uh, just on her own, uh, putting up uh, some community classrooms here and there by mobilizing the necessary... Uh, resources that 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 people benevolent individuals are able to offer uh, hello mary what's your experience and, and just share that with us hello good evening yeah so mary if you if you can hear us uh, the, the conversation around how you've been able to start that change even from the individual level uh, i'm sure it's inspired by what you've seen even in your school as well good evening Hello. Mary, are you able to hear us now? Yes, please. Okay, yes. Yeah, so I was asking about what inspired that journey, uh, the decision to, uh, at your individual level, mobilize resources. I mean, try and push people, benevolent individuals, to set up schools uh, where you are, in the deprived community in which you are. Uh, what's motivating you to do that? <laughs> Good evening to your listeners. I'm a teacher in Morua GA Primary School, looking at the condition over there. And as a teacher, what will I do to help my people? I have to start up with something so that I can get the support of the children and then the community as well. So we plan doing something by starting building our a classroom board so that the community and the children too can help us in doing it. Uh, so, I mean, who's helping you on that journey? And and I was asking about what's inspiring you because of what's, um, of course, dominating the conversation as to whether or not we should be exposing. Uh, the the poor infrastructure in some of these dis deprived schools so we can get help to fix them. Yeah, as a teacher, what inspired me was what would I do to help my children? So, looking at them, the uh, struggle that they are going through, sitting under trees, learning, is not good for the children. Even the trees that they are sitting under, the community came and then cut the trees for their fans. And it's not good. So we have to support them to put, to put up something by the classroom so that they can learn. We don't even have chess. Chess is a problem for the school. Even from KG up to the DHS, there's no chess. So the children are sitting on the floor. And as, as a teacher, when you go to class and you see your child, or even your student sitting on the floor, you find it even difficult to stand in front of them to teach. But what can we do? We have to do something for the children. Mm. Uh, so that was the idea that came that we have to we have all the teachers have to come together and then support the 
Uh, I see. Uh, such a laudable initiative there. And, and I guess um, you, you're getting a lot of support for it. But even uh, but before we go much more into, I mean, what we can do uh, just at uh, that individual level to stir up uh, the change and to, and to be uh, that reason for change even in our communities, that there's the bigger conversation about the comparison which the minister himself is bringing up. Uh, and, and that's why I want to hear from Dr. Henry got well, he's an educationist not in ghana but in the united kingdom and is connecting via zoom now as well because the minister pointed out that while well, he's taught out of in and out of the system uh, over 20 years in the united states and what happens there is quite different from what we're seeing in our system um, um, so doc you've had the education minister as well comparing the systems and asking us to tell the positive story so why not tell it if in fact it's happening as well it's not as though some of these stories are not existing yeah uh, thanks so much uh, it's good hearing from my uh, various um, panelists in, on some of the very important things that we're all sharing uh, i i watched the for myself uh, this morning and interestingly i watched it with my son who's a 10 year old in the british schools and i could see that so, noise from the background. I'm not sure if uh, where it's coming from. Please, sorry. Well, 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 yeah. uh, apologies for that. Uh, it appears we're having some interferences. Uh, of course, would. Uh, fine. Can you yeah. hear me fine? Oh, okay, so that, that's better now. Yeah, I was saying that I was watching this uh, this morning with my son, who is um, also in in the British school uh, here on his way to school, and he, he watched it, and, and it was very sad when he saw uh, fellow children in uh, a part of the world. I mean, he was in Ghana not long ago, so he loves Ghana, um, and in, in such very deplorable condition. I think the last thing that the people on the receiving end or the, the, the children would probably uh, would like to hear, um, unfortunately, and I have to say it's unfortunate uh, to say, uh, to say the least, school, school, school of fame, uh, because unfortunately it's not very nice what we what we see. Um, in as much as we we all agree that yes, the government and, and previous governments have done so well to raise the stakes of ed education in Ghana, I think we all understand that a lot more needs to be done. So maybe a, a narrative, a rhetoric in the direction of the fact that uh, thank you for bringing this up. Uh, we're working hard to make sure that just as we've chalked some gains and some successes, we, we're also going to look at how we solve it. Um, unfortunately, it's not come up in a very uh, nice way. And I think the uh, the discourse at the moment is not so much on the plight of the children, but we're talking about what the minister said and, and what he shouldn't have said. Um, in this part of the world, yes, we still have, uh, for example, the the powerhouse, BBC, Al Jazeera, all of them, they do s solid exposés and... Uh, uh, panorama uh, investigations on, on various things, sometimes even on the monarchy, and 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 they take it on the chin in, in good faith and uh, work on these things. So I think um, a lot more um, has been said already, and it's important, and we will need to look at the issues on the ground, empathize uh, with the people on the receiving end, and see how we have to um, work around this. But I'll have to comment multimedia on some of the groundbreaking stuff that you've done. And I think all of us are one way or the other to find solutions uh, to some of these things in this day and age. And I think that's where the narrative has to uh, be, or the discourse has to be uh, or, or directed oh, okay. towards. So, so from where you operate, of course, there's a need to do that comparative analysis. Do, do we deem the light? I mean, what's the best approach for us here? What can we adopt? What, what can we learn from the system in which you are and apply that to what's happening here and what the minister is calling for? Yeah, I, I know we're talking about solution. I'm just going to give three very important things that I feel uh, we need to push in Ghana. I, I think at a point we need to work the, the public sector um, needs to work with the private sector in some of these areas. And I say this, for example, when they drive with the um, uh, the free education came in, uh, free boarding house and all of that, 
uh, I was looking to say, how do we partner with the private institutions, okay, uh, to help bring the infrastructure together, bring the resources together and support. So what is happening in the UK, for example, is that the government is partnering with private institutions uh, into what we call the academy system. So private businesses, private businessmen are taking over public schools, running together with the local education authorities, with the government, to make sure that these schools get the best resources. And it's working. So it's one of the things that Ghana we can also <coughs> look at. We can also look at, I know for some time we've been talking about our teachers going out, and I'm happy to say this, that yes, the British government, I think, has struck um, a nice uh, collaboration with the Ghana government. I've seen uh, some circular on it already that from the month of April, I think teachers from Ghana can go to the UK and teach and they can get QTS and all of that. Um, one of the things that we can do is to uh, look at brain exports. Look at brain exports. I was so happy to hear my sister Rose talking about the fact that uh, she was posted from Ola Training College. And I know Ola Training College very well. One of the top, top, top um, institutions, teacher training institutions in Ghana. And to be posted from there to where she is describing 25 years ago, not very long time ago, but yet sounds long time ago, and the situation that she found herself in. If people like her, if we're producing a lot, and, and that extends to even our nurses and doctors, if we're producing a lot of them and we haven't got enough space and resources to look up to them, we can partner with some very good foreign government, have brain exports, and get some of the money back into some of these areas that needs the money most. And that's very important. And, and maybe as well, I think we need to start looking at this. Can we start telling um, some of our uh, policymakers to put their kids back in some of these public schools? Because maybe if we have our kids in these public schools, we will be able to see for ourselves, not just see, but also empathize even a bit more with what goes on on the ground, and we might be able to do something about it. My last point on this is that we need to review the whole SHS, free SHS thingy. Because even if you come into the UK, boarding house is not free. So a lot of the day schools um, are there. So some of the day schools that has been built before, maybe by previous government, by this government, why can't we partner and take some of these resources on board and make sure that we use them and maybe review the free SHS? Can we make some cuts on those free boarding house places? And, uh, and, and that's a controversial statement you're making uh, because when you talk about the free SHS, uh, government is not willing to touch that program. Uh, it has a political uh, cost. Uh, Are you then suggesting that it's, it's it's part of the reasons why we're not allocating enough resources to dealing with the infrastructural challenges that we have within the sector? Where we are now at the moment, I mean, unfortunately, we are going through a very um, difficult economic crisis. And, and Ghana not, uh, is not an isolated case. I mean, it's, it's, it's all over the place, and we, we know that. So government across the world, people are looking at policy, people are looking at um, their budgets of yesteryears and their plans, and they're making cuts here and there uh, in this time. So it's not bad. It's a good thing. It's not bad to go back to a policy and look at it again because it's taken a lot of resources. And in this period, in this very challenging time, why can't we look at the free SHS? Free boarding house is not something that you get in america it's not something you get in the uk even in the top 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 countries across europe you don't get free boarding house so if we can look at it make sure it's means tested those that cannot afford that has to be there we held them rather than making it a wholesale we need to look at that and put the money back to where the foundation is where we need it most because what we saw unfortunately it's not very very good okay uh, so we also need to hear uh, from those change makers. There are institutions as well supporting that process. But, Doc, I'll get back to you so we explore some more alternatives. But but there's one institution, the Naamane Foundation. That's an NGO that's focusing on improving uh, the lives of people in deprived schools as well. Uh, and we're fortunate to have the managing director, uh, Lillian Mensah, joining us at Vizum. Uh, Lillian, what, what's, what's inspiring, of course, what you do uh, we're now of course learning from these ghana school of shame series that a lot is not going on well with our schools when it comes to infrastructure how are you helping to to solve part of the problem lillian 
Lillian, if you can hear, hear us, um, you'd have to unmute first of all so, so we get the points you're making. Oh, uh, it appears um, we're, we're having some challenge connecting um, with uh, Lillian, who has a problem with the microphone there. Uh, we'll definitely uh, hear their story because they're driving change. But um, Rose is also on. Rose was just telling us um, that some 20 years ago, and this is in Greater Accra, uh, some 20 years ago, this problem was persisting. But, but Rose, have you gone back to check if, of course, in the last few days, in the last few months, uh, the situation has improved uh, ever since you left there. Um, well, and the last time I visited Obakura was um, somewhere last year, no, two years ago, October. I had to travel uh, travel through Obakura to uh, the next village, Hobo. Um, well, the story has changed because, as I said, while I was there, we had up to primary school. And the students there, or the pupils there, had to travel from Obakroa to Hubo um, to assess junior um, um, secondary education. But now they have the junior high school. Um, the, the structures haven't really improved. Um, however, it's better than it was while I was there. The finishing is... <laughs> Isn't you know as you would expect of a busy school, the foundation. You see, um, Evans, we are making it look like we don't care about the basic education any longer. But I remember that um, there was a policy that made every school, every child of school going age. It was compulsory for that child to go to school. And parents could be arrested if their children were not allowed to have access to education. So if we are not making access comfortable, respectable for these young ones, should we start thinking about arresting the policymakers? Should we also start enforcing the law and arresting those who have to get tables and chairs in classrooms for children to sit and study? Because it appears no one cares. It's not only in the hinterland, in the western north and the northern belt and all those places. Right here in Accra. In fact, if you go to places around Agbogloshi, those cluster of schools, the situation is not different. A, a mono desk that is meant for one child to sit on so that that child can sit properly, hold the pencil or the pen properly, mm. position the exercise book properly in front of him or her. When the child is reading, how to position the textbook in right. front of him or mm -hmm. her because of lack of this furniture these children three four of them will share a mono desk and and then that becomes a problem most of the time uh, let's let yeah so let's let's hear from let, let's hear from zach zach is also a teacher just like you rose um zach you're in tamale what's your story uh, okay, Zach is not on with us, but Lillian is back because Lillian, uh, through her institution, the Naamane Foundation, they're supporting change. Uh, Lillian, what's your story? Um, good evening, everyone, and good evening to your listeners. Um, my name is Lillian, as you rightly said, and I'm the managing director for Naamane Foundation. So uh, my story is very simple. Growing up, I used to watch the news with my grandparents and Whenever we switch on the telly, we get to see these stories that we see children sitting on the bare floor to learn and all that. And going up all these things I see made me also have the feeling to do something to make an impact in the in the country. So it was due to whatever you show on TV, which the minister says we shouldn't show. That's how come I got encouraged to do something. So if you don't show it, how then does someone try to help 
if the government is not helping. That's how can we come in. So basically, my foundation has been able to um, undertake three projects so far, two in the eastern region and then one in and one in Adam. Um, where we we target the kindergarten schools because we want to target from the bottom to the top. So you go, you see children at the age of three, four, sitting on the bare floor, lying on the bare floor just to study. And we expect them to grow up and come compete with the people in the private schools. And then I realized with my team that we can make an impact. And mind you, we, we don't have a lot of um, funding, but through friends um, and loved ones, we are able to raise just some money, some few um, funds to do something for them. And then I believe that you don't have to just look at the, the amounts involved. You can also just get there, the people can rally around their old boxes and also make them better for them to use. Instead of us going to get a huge sums that we always purport to right. use. And, 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 and Lillian, and, and Lillian I, was, I was about asking a question as to how you normally hear of these um, deprived schools, how you target them. Is it mostly from some of these media reports such as the Ghana school, Schools of Shame? So I have a member of my team. His name is Bright Nimakun. He is a teacher in Kwaibibu District mm. um, with Uga's Basic School. So he, so he went to the training college. Most of his friends are teachers. Mm -hmm. So he liaises with them and then those who are facing very difficult situations, those who have children sitting on the floor. So he gets to talk to his friends. They share their pictures and their videos with us. And then we assess those who are really in need and then we go in to help. So that's how we get our news. Mm. Uh, interesting uh, observations there. But but of course, uh, for those of you who are listening to us, uh, just tell us um, about the situation where you are. What, what's the status? Perhaps you're a teacher. Uh, what's the status of infrastructure in your school? 055 111 We'll be taking your uh, comments shortly. Uh, but uh, Dr. Henry Gotsenafel is still with us. Uh, he's joining us from the United Kingdom. Uh, and Doc, the way forward uh, and how we can sustain the gains we've made. I guess the point of the minister is, let's also tell our own story. It's a story we are always going on the negative, uh, but let's balance it. So how do we find space for what's wrong, try and fix it, and add on to the gains that we've made? Yeah, I mean, like we rightly said, I think um, uh, a lot of us have been very charitable in the sense that the government has made some gains and, and, and same as previous governments and we have to give them credit for that. Uh, but we also that a lot still remains to be done. And as I've said, to be honest with you, as a country, we need to make sure that we find space for the right priorities. We need to prioritize what is important. And and I'm sad to say this, that it, this is just probably uh, a microcosm of a bigger situation because you've picked one area. And like my brother said, I think Michael said, that this actually even at the heart of the district. So if you go to the very remotest parts of the district and some of the other places that is not covered, you realize that this is not an exception or it's not like a drop in the ocean out of the bigger uh, picture. So we need to really prioritize that. As I've said already, we need to come to a point where let's review, let's review. A lot of money is going into and it's going into the free education at the SA level. But let's review that, especially because looking at the feeding of of, um, of uh, hundreds of thousands of students uh, at the SHS level is, is not a joke. Uh, there are people who probably uh, means tested, will need it, let's support them. Those who can afford and will not mind to chip in, let us do that. Again, uh, from what you've been saying, I also feel we need to listen to the technocrats and those on the ground. We need to listen to the stories of these teachers, uh, like one of us, uh, Rose, was just talking about earlier on. Listen to them. Um, we, they should not be guarded. They should be encouraged in the spirit of uh, transparency. Let's hear their story. Let's find out. In the UK, if Ofsted, that is the body that inspects schools, is going to come into school, they want to hear from parents. And it's independent. They want to hear from teachers and it's independent. It is not, I mean, it's anonymous. It is devoid of any 
uh, antagonization or any anyone trying to uh, gag you, you can speak your mind freely just to develop the schools, just to develop the system. All stakeholders are listened to. Let's do that. Let's do that. Um, I went to Addis Ababa College, and, and sometimes you go in there, you've seen Fair Prince and Jones, you want to go in there and then support. What is happening is that a lot of the schools, especially the, second, the secondary schools, the SHS, a lot of the old students are doing so much to help these ones. Well, as if you realize, at the foundation levels, they don't have that much support with old boys or old girls association coming in to help them. So why don't we start looking at putting some resources in there? If we have to cut a lot of the stuff that I'm saying, I've seen free uniforms, free everything. Everything is free. And we've got to come to a point, let's review the policy and put some of the resources back to the foundation years where it is most needed. And I want to say this, it must be done and very quickly. Thank you. Okay, uh, time now to just take some of your messages uh, coming through uh, before I give the final words to my guest uh, on Ghana Connect tonight. Uh, Michael Niashali is with us. Uh, Michael, a lot of comments coming through. Uh, I mean, <laughs> different views on what it is that the minister is speaking about. Uh, let's start off with, um, of course, uh, one coming through from... Yeah, from one of our connectors. Okay. It says, the minister must be more concerned with solving the challenges highlighted by the documentary and stop telling journalists what to do. Uh, mm -hmm. Thank you very much. You shouldn't add your name uh, to that. This one here is from um, Isaac Newton, connecting all the way from Cape Coast. He says, I believe the minister's reaction to the issue is quest in question is rather very unfortunate and he must apologize unreservedly to the newsman who brought up the issue. Uh, he should be thankful for the, to the reporter and multimedia group for start for starting uh, to look at the problem mm -hmm. and again finding the solution to so, it. And he, he points out to some of the infrastructural deficits that we reported in that particular one. Some more um, people have been connecting with us here. Uh, this one here is from um, Nana. Um, from Spintus and he says is the minister aware that some of us have been involved in educational system outside Ghana as well in the developed countries like the UK school infrastructures have private involvement was the minister expecting Joy FM to showcase GIS well uh, that's not a question and, I can and answer by, by GIS <laughs> Sorry, Nana is referring to yes a, a private institution for yeah. that matter I mean one, one of the top uh, arguably mm. Ghana International School is one of the biggest schools um, in the country so this one from Eddie connected from Tema says I was posted to the Bono Ahafu region in 95 after completing Accra College of Education the school I was posted to at the time was the only school that serves various uh, I'm not getting this word but it was in a uh, in a touched building. Now, pupils didn't have proper furniture. Mm -hmm. But during the three years I was in that village, the then government built a huge pavilion which saved us from the, uh, the, the mercy of the weather. At least mm -hmm. there was a head teacher's bungalow. I don't mm -hmm. believe the minister understands the situation on the ground. Eddie, thank you very much for that. Well, uh, indeed. And uh, I just want to do this very last one. He says, uh, my hat's always cries anytime I hear some of these uh, news items. And it's coming through uh, from Uncle George. Uh, listening to us in Kumasi, a long one there. I will take that uh, probably next time. Uh, but of course, um, I, I want to write, uh, of course, uh, wrap up by listening to Michael. Uh, because Michael, you are a parent and I'm sure you have an appeal in just 30 seconds to the Minister of Education. What would that be? In 30 seconds, Michael. Uh, Michael, are you with us? Okay, uh, it appears we've lost uh, Michael there, but thanks to, of course, uh, Dr. Henry Gottson, thanks to Mary Dusafo, uh, Michael Nanjena, who's a parent uh, up north in Talency, and also to Rose uh, Blankson and Lillian Mensa for being my guest uh, here uh, on Ghana Connect. But um, there's uh, good news for us. Government is giving assurances that it will moving from next week to deal with some of the items pointed out in the documentary. Uh, of course, uh, the PRO for the institution, uh, Kwesi Kwating, has been speaking. Um, I think it's, uh, um, it's eligible to, to, to do it. Ghana is a football nation. So when
Ghana's school of shame. And I was ashamed because of all the great things happening in the country, we want to focus on the negative. Can you look straight in the eye of these children and tell me they are coming from schools of shame? They are coming from schools of fame. Well, after coming under a barrage of criticism for those... After some poetry 2018, we distributed about 65,779 furniture uh, across the country, including these basic schools. In 2020, we distributed about 54,000 of them to all basic schools across the country. 2021, almost 10,000 were distributed. Uh, of course, 2023 is Going. But cumulatively, between 2018 and now, distributed about 225,000. So the program is ongoing. But of course, with this one, uh, there has to be some agency attached to it. Is that you would have to position yourself in space. Well, apologies, uh, therefore, for that mix-up in the sound. Uh, it's been Ghana Connect. My name is Blessed. So log on to myjoyonline.com. We'll see you again. Have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC.
this Morris and I. Keep on listening to George, 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 George. 99.7 FM. Live on radio, live online. This is the locker room with George Addo Jr. It's Friday, and yet another time for the locker room. Hello and welcome. Thank you for sticking with your superstation 99.7 Joy FM radio for discerning listeners. And on the locker room, we preview all of the weekend's action. Bob Long, Reed trying to hand on a three on one. Ross, LeBron! Ross to LeBron! Mores for Manchester City in added time. And he beats Hugo Lloris to make it 2 2. Today's show is a little different though, all because of this man. After a World Cup group stage run which saw the Black Stars and Ajax midfielder steal headlines, Mohamed Kudus is back at it again. This is good from Luka. Kudus, 1-1. Dan heeft dat inbrengen van die lange Luka toch zin gehad. Want over de grond lukt het Ajax, maar niet of nauwelijks. One goal in his last three appearances for Ajax, who only last night let go of boss Alfred Kruder after a run of four performances. Kudus himself could have been on his way out of the iconic club with English sides Manchester United and Liverpool reportedly monitoring the situation. But it seems in the meantime, the 24-year-old stays put. We have a pre-World Cup exclusive sit-down with the star. No, personally, this work we do, there's a lot of opinions and what everyone thinks. But me, the pressure I feel mostly is from myself, you know, the, the, the pressure of wanting to do the best for myself. and. Where I see myself getting to, that's that's the most pressure I feel before a game and all of that's the most pressure I feel is the 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 wanting to do the best and get to where I really want. That's the most pressure I feel. Not all the stuff from the outside. It doesn't really uh, touch me, you know. We'll soon bring to you the full conversation with Gary Al Smith. But first, the Joy FM BBC two-way series with John Bennett. Hello John, it's great to have you back on the locker room, so let's dig right in. We would like to delve into the Premier League considering all that's at stake, but we'll pause with that a bit and put the FA Cup third round into focus because the FA Cup does tend to serve a lot of drama. So this weekend, where are the potential upsets going to come from? Any Premier League teams in danger of losing to a lower league team, John? 
Well, it's going to be a nerve... If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com slash boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC.